one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, Bus Driver. Hey, Bus Driver. Hey, Bus Driver, the show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, Bus Driver, exploring the entire school transportation universe, talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey, Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. Welcome back to the Hey Bus Driver podcast. Uh, today, episode 20. Can you believe like 20 episodes already? I'm pretty excited about that. Nice. Got uh, a few friends returning to join a conversation today. Just a little bit about uh, COVID-19, how transportation's been going since students in Arizona have returned back to the school bus. And uh, I am again joined by my buddy Chad. Uh, Tommy Sims is back. Stephanie Arbaugh with the trust and my colleague Hello. Shannon Weber from uh, the Kyrene School District. So welcome to everybody. My apologies that 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, for whatever reason, <sighs> seems so early. <laughs> Honestly, when I scheduled this, I was like, you know, we're up at like 4 a.m. in the morning. So, you know, it just seemed uh, Monday odd. through Friday only. Yeah, I don't, I just, I don't know what I was <laughs> yeah. thinking. I, I don't know. So I'm. Glad to have all of you here. Appreciate it. Yeah. Glad to be back. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me back, Jason. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> there's been a big petition rolling around online to to not have you be coming back. So I no, to, I, I, I get. I signed talk. that. I signed that petition. I'm wondering when it's. Up. <laughs> I voted like twelve times. Yeah. So. Hey, speaking of, I decided to drop the Tony Romo thing since you're getting a bunch of feedback, a bunch of kickback on that. You yeah, know, people have, you just have come up with your own persona. <clears throat> well, I've been kicking around. I haven't. I thought about going the Troy Aikman route, but apparently there's oh. some with him and the hot mic right now. So I got to skip that. So I'm thinking just do like like Chad Madden, you know, like John Madden's there like diligent son or something. There you go. Well, the early years. Or, or do you have do you have a Madden. do you have a persona for the Big Daddy Jack's beef jerky? Do you are you like the the pit boss or something like that? <laughs> well, I'm just a laborer. No, I don't get to run the show. I'm being told what to do and when to do it. Like I, I I'm not getting paid, so you know I'm gonna have to file a lawsuit here soon. Let's do that kid. Adult labor laws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that was outlawed a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, he uh no, he's he's cranking it. The kids out there smoking away. He's a little pit boss. That's why I need to start calling him pit boss. It's a good good name for him. There you go. But so uh just got a fun a uh, couple little questions that we're gonna do again from our uh pod decks, the little interview questions just to break the ice a little bit. Uh so I will put uh I think Shannon first on uh, the spot. What technology do you wish existed? Thank you any for any me. technology? Um, any technology? Goodness. You know, I wish existed, or just wish we or I was able to use in my daily work because it says wish I just existed. Think the more that- so anything that did it doesn't currently exist. Oh, I'm not sure this is a good question for me. Um, 
<laughs> There's so much technology that does exist that I don't even get to get to use yet. But right. I, I think um, I might have to pass. No. We'll let, we'll let you pivot to what you wish you could use. How's that? Well, I mean, I just think the ability to, when, when we're talking about our daily work, student, I, I hate to use the word tracking, but identifying where kids are and when they're on and off of the bus. And I know that's out there, but I know there's a lot of different levels. And so because we're not using that and because I've had a little tiny taste of that, I would like to be able to um, use that regularly to highest capacity for both safety and, um, you know, just data. Fair enough. Mr. Chad, what any technology, what do you wish existed? Now, apparently it's, it's, it's already uh, coming around. You know, Elon Musk was mentioned in the, in the conversation prior to the podcast here. Uh, but, you know, just like being able to control everything with your mind, you know, but I don't want a chip stuck in my brain. I just want to like be able to put on like a baseball hat and like change the channel, <laughs> answer the phone, you know, start the Roomba, you know, have, you know, maybe control the kid too. Like, get me so, a beer without saying anything. He just goes and gets you one, right? Don't, don't, <laughs> don't Jedi's do that. Yeah. So yeah, like a Jedi hat. That's what a Jedi hat. That's what I wish I had. There you go, Tommy. Uh, I'm gonna go back with uh, Shannon on this one and go back to the bus. I wish we had some kind of like seat sensor so we knew if a kid was in the seat. Okay. You can be oh. like a little, you know, a little dashboard thing with lights that show. Nope, there's still a kid in the seat somewhere. Would you, Tommy? Oh, you, could, you, could, you could use the Jedi hat to put the kids back in the yeah. seat. True. Very true. Very add true. A, add a seatbelt sensor <laughs> so when they're wearing their seatbelt and if they take it off, it lights up. Well, that it changes we also color. Need the, we need the button like you know the rides at Disneyland when it's it's secured. <laughs> You lock it in. Oh, right. Pull down your bars. Yes. But Put your would, extremities in. You know, just that sensor to let us know there's something on the seat when we're driving. I mean, we have to pull over and go check our bus, and everyone does that, and it's amazing. Just having that extra little sensor, I think, would would be wonderful for me. There's another quick reference. I like it. Perfect. And, Stephanie, what technology do you wish existed? Anything can be anything. I'm... I am not a technology fan. I I do wish well I use so much of it it's easy to get it's easy to be um to get lazy and rely on some of it at least the the stuff that I use in my life but I do wish there was a school bus database where when I want to type in, was a study done on this? Was there a study done on this? What's the data? If I want to look at statistics or trends in the U.S., it's not easy to find that information. You can find it, but you have to look at, you know, 3,000 sites to gather. Okay, this mm. is what I see here. This is. I just wish for, I guess, thinking small in my job, I wish there was a school bus website that had every piece of data that I would ever need to access, which is, you know, incredibly unrealistic, but it would be so helpful. Nice. I agree. Great idea. I agree. What about you, Jason? Hmm. Technology that I wish existed. Yeah, I didn't really give it much thought because I'm the interviewer. <laughs> oh, well, neither did we. Neither did we, Jason. <laughs> Come on, friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. 
think I'm kind of with Chad on the the whole mind controlling thing, but that does seem fairly lazy. Um, oh, no, oh, you could like make yourself run without yeah. you know. <laughs> without running. Yeah, it was That would be okay. I went on a six mile run this morning on my couch. Yeah, if we did that, I would just use it to make yourself lose weight. Boom, gone. <laughs> I, I could go along with that. Yeah. I think oh, that's the technology that existed, and I'm sure it's it's in the works, but um, and I mean, I know it's in the works, but how far is it really going to be in our lifetime? I would love the opportunity for um, reg- just your average Joe to have a chance to be able to go to space affordably. That's what I want. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So, technology's there, but is it really affordable? And we're not really sending uh, civilians to space yet. So, uh, and will it be actually in our lifetime? I have no idea. So if you had the opportunity, would you go to space? Absolutely. In a heartbeat. Hmm. That was actually Bye. one of like my dream jobs as a kid was to be an astronaut. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Would have been cool. But, uh, switching gears... Last question. Maybe we should wrap it up with this at the very end, but I'm going to say it now. Uh, Stephanie, what are you most excited about right now? Does it have to be industry related? Nope. It could be anything. The you, Seahawks. Is, are no. The, the Seattle Seahawks are 5-0. Um, and oh. mm-hmm. Soon to be 5-1 oh. on Sunday. Um, there you go. I will, I will you said right you, now. I will bet you... <laughs> A small, very small, like what's in my change pocket amount of money that the Seahawks will be six and zero. Oh. It's probably true, but I can hope. <laughs> Is it? They're always a fun game because they're two nice teams with nice players. So I, um, it there was that matchup is always fun yep. with the Cardinals and the Hawks. Should be fun. Yeah. You in Arizona. Uh, Shannon, <laughs> what are you most excited about right now? Uh, it seems kind of little, but cooler temperatures in the morning and evening. Like I'm Ooh, telling you, yeah. I'm all about taking that walk when it's just a little bit cooler and being outside. It's been a long summer. It has been. So it's good for the mental yeah. health. Yeah, it gets us out there and um, just enjoy it. We enjoy it a lot more when it's a bit cooler. So. And Chad? Well, first of all, Steph, real quick, um, you know, my son, I told you, is a big Seahawks fan, mm-hmm. and I have another son that's a uh, a Titans fan, and another kid's Steelers fan. So all three of those teams right now are the only undefeated teams in the NFL, which is great. But the Titans and Steelers play tomorrow, so one of them will not be undefeated tomorrow. Oh man! So probably like the Seahawks, but still kind of. Why are you hating on the Hawks? Come on! I'm not. My kid likes him. I like him. I cheer for him. But um, what am I most what am I most excited about right now? You know, honestly, I think it's 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 um, my eleven year old kid. You know, learning learning business and you know uh, out working, making jerky and and uh, you know getting up early, going to bed late. I mean, it's kind of exciting to me. I enjoy watching him uh, do it and helping him learn all the ins and outs and expenses and startup costs and pro you know gross profit percentage and all that type of stuff. Ooh. He's wow. he's jumping on it. And he's enjoying it, and uh, oh. he he bought himself a new smoker this weekend. I was excited about that until we got it, and I had to start 
helping him use it. That wasn't, you know, it's five o'clock in the morning, but no, that's, <laughs> what I'm, that's what I'm excited about. His goal is, he says he wants to get big enough. He has to buy a walk-in smoker, which is big. Wow. Mm. wow. School buses. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to trim one I, out and, you know. I brought that up. Smoker. I said we could convert a school bus to walk-in smoker. He lit. He lit. Well, he's 11. When yeah. when I was 11, my mom had to take my Barbies away from me. I mean, that's pretty amazing that you know, <laughs> he wants to do it. 11. There's, there's a story when the Barbies had to be taken away. <laughs> <laughs> For another episode. <laughs> and Tommy, what are you most excited about right now? You know... With everything going on with the whole pandemic and the elections and everything, I think what I'm most excited about is that my mental health has stayed pretty stable. Oh, sure. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but you know, I, I haven't yeah. freaked out yet. Um, I men- mentally, I'm still here and just going day to day, and that things are things are working. Can we I'm get not, Jeff on the phone to confirm that? You know what? Um, <laughs> You know, that's nothing to be excited about is our business is thriving through all of this. And um, and that's been been very helpful to keep things normal. But that's what I'm excited about is that I haven't lost my mind yet. Now, if you ask my employees, things may have changed. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so well, I agree there. And I'll add to my excitement, obviously, the 20th episode here of of the show and you know, it's been a interesting journey. I think uh, COVID's given us a lot to talk about over the last 19 episodes, and we've somehow been able to spin it in there. I know it's been so impactful on, you know, all of us. And um, I think one thing I think Shannon and I were talking about the other day was just that we can, this industry itself, for the most part, at least for those that have been, that are employed by school districts, not necessarily the, the private companies, um, but you know, this is an industry that can last a global issue, right? And there's so True. many people that have lost their, their jobs or businesses have closed and whatnot. And, and I, you know, thankful that we are still employed and there's still a reason to continue educating students. So, um, you know, it's really been insightful just to see a whole different aspect and kind of have this challenge and a puzzle to, every day has been something different. Right. And we're all, just I mean, I can think back over the several meetings that we've had since March and just, it's like, you know, nobody knew, nobody still knows what's going to happen in the next two months. So. Yeah. I I think people still think the yellow school bus is somewhat of a safe place. So I'm super grateful for that too. I mean, you know, our families and our schools and what have you still it's still the safe place right it represents Mm -hmm. that so that's good news yeah so we're coming out obviously by the time this comes out uh we'll have already been a week removed from school bus safety week but um since today well yesterday was the last day anybody do anything fun i know we did shannon you can share that tommy did you do anything uh as far as school (laughs) safety week goes for your staff you know, normally what we do is we uh, we send out coloring pages for our kids throughout the district, um, especially our kinder first and second graders, just color stuff for us to hang up and decorate in our office. And with everything going on this year, um, it, it just it, it just didn't get done. 
And so we really didn't do anything exciting. Our schools recognized our drivers in our department, which is absolutely amazing. And the support they give us is huge, uh, but we really didn't get to focus on it this year like we normally do. So, Shannon. Yeah, I would agree. It definitely snuck up on us this year, um, but we did have a little fun um, reminders, obviously, to our community and our sites via, you know, those uh, social media platforms, but um, some trivia throughout the week and some drawings for um, correct answers as it related to the national statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did a couple videos of staff um, kind of reiterating and sharing um, kind of their passion for this work and the red means stop um, theme. And then we uh, staff had uh, ice cream and treats yesterday that we were able to hand out and give our thanks to them. So kind of little stuff, but it was fun. A little bit of a bump in morale for um, what seems like, <laughs> right? Not just a week beyond fall break for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hard to believe that we're uh, already staring November in the face and, uh, actually, when this comes out, it'll be Halloween. So, um, you know, it's like, wow, where did where did 2020 go, quite honestly? And uh, I think it's probably one that we could all be willing to forget. <laughs> it needs to move faster. It, yeah. it, can't get, right. it, uh, it can't go away fast enough, for sure. <laughs> so I know that episode 19, we talked about um, the stop arm, stopping for the school bus, the whole um, everything behind school bus safety week. But... You know, I think it's interesting that, like, how do we get this show out more, like, into parent groups or things where it really encourages people. And I heard some good feedback from some of the other listeners about, you know, they felt so empowered to go do their own, um, you know, campaign or to try and get out there to encourage school bus safety at stops and stopping for the school bus and whatnot. I just don't, you know, those are the things that... Hopefully, by word of mouth, this show continues to grow, um, you know, around sensitive topics that have to do with safety and students. Yeah, it was a great podcast. Yeah, it was uh, it was very informative. And I think, you know, having everybody on there and uh, talking about how they were able to, you know, basically get this rolling and get it started. They gave a bunch of people good ideas because, I mean, there was stuff I'd never thought about. Sure. And I'm sure parents hadn't thought about that they have that power and they, they do. They just have to push it and get in front of the right people and provide the right information. So hopefully uh, a lot of people heard it and uh, we'll go out there and make it happen. Absolutely. It's a lot of knowing who your audience is. And right now for, with the school bus industry, our audience right now is parents. And I think that the parent groups is, is one of the hugest that we can um, partner with to get this word out as well. Yeah, that was one of my favorite uh, episodes also. And I think um, different from other states, as I was listening to your guest from Pennsylvania, I believe it was, mm-hmm. is that we, you know, here in Arizona, it's just built different. You know, you're in the district really, um, I mean, we have, you know, DPS and overall standards, but the district really dictates what you can and can't do different from other states. I feel like it's just more universal. So I think some people get overwhelmed with where do I begin, you know, so if they don't have someone kind of handholding in a little bit of a cheerleader section, it, it, it diminishes kind of their, I don't know, their ability to go forward. Sure. That, that's that helpless feeling that we've talked about before, you know, especially for yep. bus drivers. I mean, I heard it just this week of, you know, people stopping and people just blowing right through their stop arm. So 
you know, and you know, I, I know they that fill just, out the little ticket, yeah. but that's it. They don't feel uh, that that's going to be a, a, a resolve. Right. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, definitely tough. And, you know, we've been transporting students since realistically August 17th, I think was our governor's order for students to return back to school in some capacity. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I think everybody's had to at least provide transportation to their special needs population or their homeless population. So, um, Tommy, when did you guys actually transition back to uh, a full or semi-full load of students? What what looked regular, I should say? Uh, September 16th is when we started our hybrid model. So kids were two days a week, and then Fridays were all virtual days. Uh, that's when we started and we started to see, you know, the kids actually coming back that wasn't special needs. You mentioned the 17th was when we started with our special needs areas. But gen ed students around, the, it was September 16th, and then we phased in, which was an amazing process. I loved it. Uh, this week, uh, starting Monday the 26th, we start our five-day in-person uh, with our K-5 kids. And then our 6-8 starts on Monday the 2nd of November. Nice. So... And how's that been? How's it been going? I mean, how many? What's your like biggest load of students that you've had? It, it, it's actually going very, very well. Um, I'm sure everyone listening has this shortage of drivers. Um, we're short 13. I have a route every day right now, and we normally bust between 35 and 4,500 on any given day during a normal school year. This way, this year, we're about 600 to 700 kids a day. Um, wow. So we're we're down very low. Um, but what it's been able to do is we've been able to do, I think the biggest fear all of us in the industry had when we heard social distancing and, um, physical distancing on the bus was, well, we, we're not going to be able to legitimately do every other seat, every other row with kids on the bus, but with the low numbers we've been able to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the big successes that we've had. Now our middle school numbers are running up in the twenties to thirties. So it's a little more difficult, but with our little ones, we've been able to do that every other seat, every other, and it's been been a success. Sure. Um, and and the drivers are able to get to really know their kids more one on one than we normally do with fifty five to sixty five kids on the bus. So, right. are you guys like are you requiring your drivers to go ahead and run through the whole route, or have you modified routes to like if they only have three kids on the bus, there's no point in going to um, you know ten stops. Well, and that was my whole thought behind it was we would be able to and run Monday, Wednesday routes, then Tuesday, Thursday routes. But uh, the way our district set up the hybrid uh, schedule was we basically have kids at every stop every day. It's yeah. just a different group of kids, Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. So we're still running all of our stops and picking up one here one day, maybe four here the next day. So we haven't been able to modify that yet. That's our next step after five day in person starts because we have more students now that our district announced that that are switching from hybrid or digital learning back to that five-day model. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give it a couple weeks to see how many are riding and see if we can adjust some more routes and hopefully get some more of the office staff off of a bus every day so we can do our jobs and not get so far behind. Sure. Shannon, you want to share what, uh, what we're doing? Yeah. So we also um, had the opportunity to phase um, mainstream ridership in, which I agree was great. Um, so we're able to do our K2 kiddos and then the following week, three, five, and then I think a week or two later, um, transitioned our middle school riders in. Um, it, it was good. It was good for um, setting guidelines and expectations for 
safety, masks, hand sanitizer, those types of things. Um, also getting to know the kiddos. And we have, I think we have about 50 to 60% ridership. Jason, would that be accurate? Yeah, correct. So, yeah. So we're, yeah. So we're still, um, we still have less than normal, but certainly can't social distance on the bus. But, you know, well, um, one of our, um, I, I think silver lining moments is that kids are okay. They're okay wearing the mask. And for the most part, that hasn't been, you know, our issue for discipline. I, I um, agree. Our little ones are so excited to show us their mask every day and what's on it. So it's right, and they're proud, know, right? It's a it's an easy way to get a high five or a thumbs up if you're if you're wearing it well. Um, and, and I think so that's the been phase good. In, I think the phase in Shannon also helped with setting those expectations on that smaller uh, level with a, a smaller sure. group of kids, so we could set that expectation. Was more started to ride, um, they could see the process and that routine already set in place. So, well, yeah. leading by example, and I and I think when we phase them in and they knew it was different than normal, it's like, ooh, this might be serious, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, only you guys, because we have to make sure everybody knows before they ride the bus, whatever. But um, the other thing is we have a pretty significant driver shortage right now, too. And uh, while we are um, actively hiring, we are, you know, losing people along the way. That's just our work in general, I think. Yeah. Um, but we have had the ability to bring on and some contract drivers, at least for this second semester, to fill some of those gaps, which has been, um, I think, nice. unexpected but positive. So they're, um, they've been assigned to dedicated routes. I thought that would be their best opportunity for success. And then our internal folks, um, we have a handful that are covering just attendance gaps daily, a little bit more versatile. So that has allowed leadership to be in the office or on the curb or supporting you know parents or last minute things so that's been good thank you uh stephanie mm -hmm. you do a little bit of work uh through the state and working with several different districts people calling you all the time what are what are some things that you've learned that now that you're hearing students or seeing students back on the bus what are um some of your takeaways since since we've tr pretty much transitioned back to school well, that's a really great question. I get, I work with more than just folks in our state because if some of our training was national, I am absolutely seeing the same trends across the board. Um, in April and May, it was all about, okay, we're in this situation. How do we keep our bus drivers active and engaged? How do we pay our drivers? How do we keep them interested so they you know, want to stay with us and come back when this is over? And then right around June and July, okay, now everybody is starting to think, how do we go back? What does it look like? You know, what are there, are there guidelines? What do we have to follow? And then here recently in August and September, you know, people were really diving in the weeds. Um, okay, here are our logistics. This is our approach. How does it meet the guidelines, but also our needs? And then maybe September, I guess the last month, um, people were tweaking successes and roadblocks. And what I was seeing from everybody what were the same successes. What was working was working for everybody. Social distancing might not have meant 11 students on a bus, but we'll block some of the seats off and do the best we can because everybody learned the same thing. Not all parents sent their students back to school. So like Tommy right. is 
mentioned several times, you know, his, his bus routes have, you know, 27 kids on them, if that. So that that's a national, you know, if you're experiencing it, so is the state over. Now what I'm seeing currently in the, the questions that I field every day are the same because we all have the same federal guidelines that we have to meet. Everybody has felt like the dust has settled. We're, we've got a routine. The kids are comfortable. You've all mentioned in some fashion that the kids understand what their role is. And, and none of this is political or a hardship for them. You know, kids are resilient. They just, oh, sure. let me show you my mask. Ooh, where can I sit today? That sort of thing. But now folks are getting back to business. Okay, what does that look like? The drug and alcohol clearinghouse for those districts who didn't do anything with it before the COVID, they're realizing now it's October and it's, you know, they need to be doing it. The entry level driver training, which we call around the state map 21, people are asking questions. Okay, has it been delayed? What does that mean for me? How do I get it started? Although we are seeing in this state, several things that a couple other states are seeing as well, that MAP 21 guideline is affecting us already, even though the driver training portion of it has been delayed. We are seeing the Department of Transportation do more audits, do more spot checks. You know, that that's directly from MAP 21. So if anything, I'm seeing that Arizona is right on par with other states in the U.S. regarding transportation. We all had the same roadblocks. We all had the same challenges. And then diving down into the weeds, each district, of course, had had their own, you know, if they had a special needs program or if they don't. How many McKinney-Vento did they have? How many, you know, what are the obligations to keep school going? I think Arizona has done a really good job with the groups like this podcast like Jason's uh, leadership group through the Transportation Administrators of Arizona, you know, mm-hmm. through online um, webinars that, you know, we've all tried to do and get information out there. I think Arizona is one, at least right now, that is really gelling and working together and, and paying forward knowledge that, you know, we all have. We all, all don't have the same knowledge, but each little piece of it helps everybody. So I think Arizona is right on par where it should be, um, according to what I'm seeing in the rest of the U.S. So. Well, it's good to know that we, yeah. I mean, I feel like we're, we are kind of leading the charge, at least in the, in the regard that we weren't given a one size fits all model, right? Like right. Some of the other right. states. And, and I guess in some regards, we can be a little bit jealous of that because it probably would have been easier for us to figure out. But in the same regard, sure. you know, we've all come together and, and kind of come together as a what is what logistically and logically makes sense for all of us um, so that we're not having to try and go reinvent the wheel or or adopt a um, a model that might be a little bit more egregious, like some of the true physical distancing that states are requiring on the bus. Right. We're like Tommy said, inadvertently getting it already because we have we've seen 50 or 60 percent of our ridership go down just because people have gone into either online learning of some capacity and then from that we actually have 50 more percent of those students that are actually riding the bus so that means 50 percent that are actually uh, being transported by their parents 
or you know ending up in you know staying home sick or or whatever. Well, so. and and our roadmap for reopening that was created in our state really didn't give us much of an option except to figure it out on our own. And and what I loved is how we came together as peers in this state and sat down together and was like, what's your district suggesting? What's your suggesting? And we came up with something that I think we're all basically following sure. with, with yeah. a basis. And then we're adjusting it to what our district needs are individually. And I think that's what helped. Cause remember our roadmap said for school buses was uh, your drivers are the first, transportation is the first to see the students and the first to be able to um, check students. And that's all it said for us. So we had to create something on our own but at least it came from us in our industry to know what we could and couldn't do. Right. Yeah. And it's great that it's great that the state communicates as well as it does, because when this first hit going around to the different, <clears throat> excuse me, going around to the different school districts, there were so many different ideas. Everybody was in panic mode. I don't know how I'm going to be able to pick up all these kids. You know, how are we going to do this? I, social distancing is not going to work. I mean, so, and then you start hearing about the schools communicating with each other and everybody getting together and everybody, you know, putting their heads together. Okay. How are we going to do this? And, and it, it looks great so far because like you guys said, I mean, right. You know, the writers are down. There's some kids that aren't going to school and uh, half the kids are being taken by their parents. So you didn't have to cross that bridge necessarily, but yeah, just, just hearing about all the different school districts talking, you know, and some of my directors would be like, well, I, I was talking to so-and-so and so-and-so it's like, Oh yeah, you know, they're my customers as well. And so I heard about everybody's, starting to communicate, which is great. Everybody put their heads together because there wasn't a set standard by the state. Like this is what you have to do, which probably worked out in everyone's benefit because agreed. Yeah. Gave you guys, right. a to, you know, you know what you need to do better than someone sitting in an office. That's never done this. Well, job. and you know, we, t we say it all the time collaborating as transportation um, leaders and, and I'll say experts is different than trying to paint the picture of the work that we do for sometimes our, our own district leaders, right? Because they're a little bit removed from what our day-to-day -day work really is, unless we can paint that picture. So it, it helps to bounce it off of each other and how it's being presented and to um, be able to, right, try to speak their language, if you will. Yeah, because I, I heard plenty of that as well. I had, you know, transportation directors like up in arms, you know, you go in their office, they shut the door and like, you won't believe what, what, you know, our, our, our board's trying to tell us we need to do. And they just go off on me. It's like, well, I'm not part of your board, but I hear what you're saying. That doesn't sound like it's going to work. Yeah. Well, that's what they're telling us we're going to have to do. And I'm telling them right now, that's not going to work. So you did have people that didn't understand the side of the business saying, this is what you're going to have to do. No, that's not going to work. Sure, but know, I, so. I also feel like that's where the where the groups came together that were in you know the industry professionals, those of us that you know could actually understand what we were being asked to do, and then collectively come to a group, share the information on our various websites through whatever information portals that we could put out there, and then redirect the governing boards back to that information. Say, hey, here's mm -hmm. what our peers are doing. This has been already approved. It's been well received by the community, et cetera, that we don't have to go and reinvent this or really get that more egregious with the physical distancing. It's already going to happen. It's already going to, you know, um, work itself sort, yeah, out, exactly, if you will. Exactly. Sort itself out, work itself out. So um, one of the one of those big topics, though, is 
how was school bus sanitizing going to happen or sanitization going to happen and who was going to be responsible for that? So, um, Tommy, I'll ask you, what do you, what are you guys doing there on your buses and who's responsible for uh, daily disinfection of the school bus? Well, it, it was, this was a, well, hang on just a second here. Uh, it was a long conversation that was had by our department. And um, what I was able to do was pull in some parents throughout our district. And I kind of created this committee to start talking to it and going step by step. And what we came up with was one of the things we all heard was you have to disinfect between every, every route. Okay. That works in rural communities where you have one run where you're picking up K-12 and bringing them in and then you're done for the morning. But more of us here in the city have two or three runs and our timing is always off. So we, we weren't sure if we we're going to be able to do it, but what we do is we sanitize and disinfect every morning before routes. If we can, and we do have time in between routes, we will respray as long as it can dry before our next run starts or we're using the wipes to kind of wipe down where kids were. Like I said, my route for my first school, I've been average about six, seven, eight kids. So I can wipe down just those seats mm -hmm. before I start the next one. After morning routes, we uh, sanitize and disinfect again. And the same happens for the afternoons. And then with virtual day on Fridays, that's our deep cleaning day for our buses. Our drivers all come in and they do a complete from top to bottom, sweep, mop, wash, wipe, sanitize everything again. Um, we're also running in the mornings, uh, every other window, uh, is a quarter to a halfway down with the roof hatches open in the afternoons, which this may be changing now since, as Shannon mentioned earlier, our temperatures are finally dropping and we're not 140 degrees. In the afternoons, we were running with the two back windows down, hatches open our on. Now that it's we'll be able to do the same process as morning, just keep that airflow going. Uh, it's worked out with bags, the cleaning and disinfecting stuff for my drivers that they carry with them to and from the bus. It's got the handheld sprayer, uh, a little water bottle spot cleaning, their antibacterial wipes, um, gloves. We have each driver about 50 youth disposable masks for students when they need that. Um, and and it, it's been working pretty well. And uh, my board was very happy with the plan. Everyone and parents were very happy with our plan and, and they see it happening. I've gotten calls, you know, thinking that they see our drivers actually in between they're actually cleaning and scrubbing. So it's been working well for us. Nice. Shannon, what uh, you want to share what we've been doing? I do. Yeah. So we um, kind of the same thing. So one of the things we were fortunate enough to accomplish is an additional 10 minutes between our runs or tiers of school starts. So we do have the little bit of time. We need to actually do the um, sanitation application between tiers of students, which is very reassuring to right, community and school leaders, just based on the fact that if, right, a case, positive no, case popped up, or right, if, yes. yeah. right, exactly. So we had the ability to, to say yes, in between it was sanitized. So we're not trying to contact trace multiple tiers. Um, but additionally, drivers, same thing, they have the gloves, they have the masks for students, should they not have their own, and then they have a, um, a little sprayer distributor that they walk their bus with high touch surfaces. Kids are using hand sanitizer as they enter the bus morning and afternoon. Um, and of course, seating with siblings or on the same seat. That's been a hot topic this last few weeks. Um, is the seating chart in place and is it being enforced? Parents are asking, schools are asking for copies just because it's one more level of 
you know, assuredness or details if, in fact, we have to go back and contact trace. So I think think one of the things, you know, drivers like that they get to be in charge of it. They get to be in charge of their sanitation, which means they get to be in charge of their safety. Correct. Yeah, I think that, you know, we, we continue to see more and more students coming back um, to the bus. We've seen a lot of students that uh, parents elected the flex learning option, which would have kept them online for quarter two. And I think they're changing, you know, being allowed to change their minds. So we're seeing students come back that we weren't planning for, but we're also seeing increased ridership for our special needs. So now we're no longer able to sit one per seat you know i've got drivers asking for more seats in their buses and and i think you know we just keep reverting back to what our mitigation strategies on the bus you know for those that can wear masks should wear masks and you know we're just going to have to double up you know on on ridership in our in those seats for the time being tommy are you seeing an, an uptick on special needs ridership in in your district we're starting to see it. Um, it hasn't been as quick as I was expecting it to be, but um, we are starting to see a little bit of an uptick. And now that five day in person is actually starting, we've gotten a lot of calls this week to be prepared for it for next week and schedule more students. Uh, we have been using on the special needs and cause like you mentioned, you know, asking for more seats, you know, our special needs buses that are wheelchair capable, we don't fill the whole thing with seats cause we have to leave room for students and chair. So there has been times when we've had to put students together um, but sure. it's the ones that can wear masks and we know we'll wear the mask and, and we're not going to have the, the issue and, and the fight with them to do it or the face shield, anything like that. And, and Shannon, you said something that, you know, putting it back in the driver's hands. One of the things that we mentioned was one of the parents said, well, maybe we should just have designated five people only that do all the buses. And my comment was, I don't want the drivers to guess if their bus was done or not. Powerful. Because you know they're going to get it done, especially with fear that's out there. Because there are still under fear of everything, so they're like, our buses are so get off the floor basically at any time. That's how clean that they've been with these drivers going at it, which is great. So that's why we chose that it was the driver's responsibility to do their own bus. Agreed. Yeah, they get to they get to be assured. Like we know how well it was done. We don't have to second guess. Um, and yeah, it's definitely been a positive for us. Now, how do you guys, just curious, how do you guys confirm this? It's probably a good question from a parent that's listening. How do you guys confirm that every driver has cleaned their bus thoroughly? I mean, I'm sure that, you know, unfortunately, there's some drivers out there that probably aren't going above and beyond to make sure it's clean. They're probably just, I mean, not all of them. I'm just saying there may be one or two here or there. How do you confirm that it's been thoroughly? It's a great great question. with our pre-trip sheets and our weekly mileage sheets all on one, we added more <laughs> columns of the check marks of when the bus was cleaned and disinfected and sanitized and the driver signs off on it. Um, and the right. fact that it is in our new cleaning protocol that was approved by our board of their expectations. So if one is not there, they're, it will lead to discipline because they're not following the proper procedures and safety protocols as well set by the district. But yeah, we do have a sign off just like they do with their pre-trip. You know, they sign off on their pre-trip that they did it properly. That's uh, they're signing off. That's their word. So that's how we do it in our district. Have you can? Have you, a, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Shannon. I'm sorry, Chad. No, just really that signature. I agree to participate in the new. For us, it's the safe, strong procedures and policies. So I think in the event that something was um, identified 
it would be just like a DPS record, right? They signed that it was done. And if in fact it wasn't, but um, the bigger thing and what, what I just, I think I want to go back to is, you know, the ability to have the cover drivers and have leadership um, not driving allows us to hop on buses and um, yeah. really observe some of those processes, be walking the lot in the morning or be um, on the curb between tiers. So we can not only encourage and, and cheerlead, but, um, thank them for their efforts and make sure it's being done. Well, and, I think and there's nothing too. wrong with spot inspection checks yeah. to congratulate a right. driver and hey, thanks for keep doing what you're doing. This is awesome. Yeah, I think putting it back, as we mentioned earlier, it's going back to the drivers and it's their their ownership of it. And I I would say that pretty much everybody you talk to in some way, shape, or form are taking covid-19 pretty seriously you know they know that they don't they don't want to be the person that um causes somebody to catch it and so i think that when you think of the strategies that we're employing on or deploying on our buses we're not they're not that hard right and i think that um you know that's that extra safety piece like they don't have to trust that somebody else came in and did or didn't do it like a custodial staff or, or something along those lines, they know that they their sanitation happened for the bus either in between runs or before their next route or whatever. It's it's really and on them. I, I sat with my guys and we had a long conversation because you, you in the industry we always get the grunts and groans when we ask them to do something outside what they normally think they should be doing. And yeah, it's a little extra work, but I just put it back as, you know, I honestly don't want to be the person that if and when uh, there's a positive case on our bus and they're going through everything, did we clean the classroom? Did we clean this? Who were they around? Oh, they rode the bus. Was the bus clean? I don't want to be the one to have to answer that why I didn't clean that bus sure. and why I didn't disinfect it. And um, I, I think that's the big thing is it's, it's a personal thing. People are scared and they're going to do what they can to make sure they're not getting it. So they're going to clean as much as possible. No, you're good. Go, Chad. I was just going to say, is there, is there um, cameras at all? I mean, is that a possibility where you guys are having them do it while the cameras are on, you know, the bus is running, the cameras are running just in case someone comes back and says, well, I don't think this person sure. cleaned the bus. They, well, our, absolutely. Our cameras, are, our cameras are set to stay on for I believe an hour after the ignition's turned off. So, yeah. I mean, that mm-hmm. captures quite a bit of in between, obviously in between runs. And then, you know, when they're coming back, we give all of our drivers, uh, as Shannon mentioned, we gave, we got the 10 minutes in between runs, but we also gave our drivers an additional, basically 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the afternoon yep. uh, for pre-trip and post-trip. So now everybody has a 30-minute pre-trip time, a 30-minute post-trip time. And it was explained to them that, this was the reason behind it. And so these were the times yeah. that way they couldn't come back and say, I don't have enough time. You're being, you basically were given an extra hour a day to handle your sanitation, your cleaning, all your DPS stuff that you need to do already pre COVID. Um, we're just adding that extra time in there. So if they don't, if they choose not to use it, then yes, absolutely. We can go back to the cameras and, you know, yep. verify that um, they, they have, or they haven't. And we're going to hear of a case where it comes down to, you know, a district pulled the cameras to make sure that bus was clean. We know it's going to happen. I mean, we're already, and we can transition, you know, into the cameras being used for contact tracing because we've already been asked for that. So Tommy, you know, how has contact tracing been done in, uh, and where you're at? 
Well, you know, contact tracing was my biggest fear for the longest time because, you know, my mind had, was all set on, we're going to have 65 kids on this bus all the time running and going. But then when it came down to it, we normally use this um, uh, student tracking uh, program. Well, our district didn't want to do the no pass, no ride, so that didn't work. But our routing program is able to create a report where I pull all the students assigned to the bus within the information, their bus up, their name, their grade. Uh, and their bus number, so my drivers can verify, and they're cut up into wristbands, just real strips of paper that teachers tape around a kiddo's wrist. Basically, to reiterate, you're using a uh, wrist, basically wristbands that you're you're printing out of your routing program with the students' names. Uh, I assume where they are, are you putting in there where their seat assignment is? is are you using seat assignments in your routing program, or are you? Um, relying on the drivers to indicate which seat the student is sitting in based on their seating chart? Driver seating chart, yeah. Got it, okay. Driver and, seating chart. Got it. So, um, and then you put them in a, in a little bag, and then you're, I assume, just throwing them in a box or something somewhere that you can reference after or before within, or within 14 days? Yep, correct. Got it. Got it. So, uh, Shannon, you want to talk a little bit about uh, ours? I mean, we've we've seen uh, some uptick in cases, and um, you know that's been a very interesting process, and I think has also shown the true need for um, some sort of student ridership program. Yeah, for sure. So when you when you early on asked about that whole technology piece, that just makes me want that even more. But yeah, we we um, while we don't have a daily tracking piece, uh, seat assignments, right, required, and then we have a program um, that drivers put their seating chart into um, called Bus Conduct that schools can also access and see the seating chart of the routes that serve their campus. So, um, again, already this last few weeks, and while we usually give drivers an ex you know several weeks or at least a few weeks to get their seating charts um, prepared, it's like now more than ever, not only should they be there, that you, we really need to be enforcing them because what we say must be so. Um, so trying to drive that point home, um, as we've been asked this last week or so, especially, can I see the seating chart? And really um, happy to, when you talk about um, popping on to videos to see what's happening, um, drivers saying, remember, you have to sit with your siblings or your household you know, people in your household, because that's the safest way. I mean, they're really like owning it and reminding students. But yeah, um, the seating chart, yeah, the seating chart in bus conduct is what it's called, allows the schools to um, see where they're sitting and where they've been assigned. And I think going back to Chad, the, the camera piece has proven a little bit more difficult in the regards of every student's wearing a mask now. So all you see is their, their eyes and their, you know, <laughs> hairstyles change. So, um, you know, that's, that's been the real challenge, especially when you ask a driver, like, have you seen this kid before? And you show them a picture of their school picture last year. And they're like, yeah, it kind of looks like him, but, uh, you know, I envision him with a mask, you know, so that's been, that's definitely been an interesting challenge. Stephanie, is there anything that you're hearing, um, maybe creative ways that people are uh, contact tracing other than what's been mentioned? No, it's pretty standard. Um, what I remind folks, though, is don't, don't rely so heavily on the cameras that it's your only source for the school bus portion of it because 
you can have cameras on your buses and go to, well, a lot of them are digital. However, with that being said, you can go to look at the video and there's nothing there. Sure. So, mm-hmm. so I have a question aside, aside from the cameras, how, what are some creative ways that you are looking at how to make sure that your drivers are doing the cleaning. Tommy mentioned, we had a phone call the other day and Tommy mentioned he knows that his drivers are doing it because they're coming in daily to get their little spray bottles refilled. So how, you know, right. how, what are other districts doing to ensure that their, their drivers and staff members are doing what they're supposed to be? Yeah, I, huh? I definitely uh, agree to that. I mean, I think in, within our own operation, it is really just trust, uh, you know, the, there's the but verify, but it's almost like when we do our own uh, behind the wheel evaluations of our drivers ongoing, you know, they can be the best driver when you're sitting there watching them, but what are they truly doing um, after the oh, fact? That's, and that's, what I, yeah. that's what I really enjoyed about when we did the transmist uh, episode was that they had created a system that gets installed and it has a way to, mm-hmm. um, you know, have a tracking log of when the system was deployed. And, you know, but again, that's a fairly, I mean, it's not expensive when you talk about the overall cost of a school bus, but it's an expensive cost from M&O funds to come back and, you know, retrofit all of your buses so that it can be done um, and just not really logical to get it deployed right, you know, to, to get it deployed right now. So, um, you know, that, that's the hard piece. I mean, other than having them turn in a, uh, a paper ticket, I would say maybe, but even when you think of like the Zonar pre-trip and post-trip tags and add it to your, you know, the little, uh, Ever, mm-hmm. um, piece, I mean, there's nothing that's preventing people from just physically going back and wanting it. Just Forget like, your, it. just like mm-hmm. your student checks in the back, they can walk right past a sleeping student, push the button in the back and then walk back to the front of the bus. Did they physically actually check for students? Right. I mean, we're, right. so I, think, I think we're just trusting adults we, to be adults and be, you know, be responsible. Yeah, and we always talk about that, that complacency and that awareness and having to engage your awareness intentionally every single day. Like, did I spray every seat? Did I, like, whatever it takes. Because at the end of the day, like, it's up to them. Um, I I think that um, what you said, Stephanie, too, we have a distribution um, of the um, sanitizer that, we're, that our district is using. And um, we're definitely changing those pods. So we know that they're, Filling their bottles for sure. So that I mean, that is one reassurance. Sure. How, how, how about how about this? You, know, you guys talked about you, you got mask on. You, you definitely you don't know for sure if the kid's been on the bus or whatever. How about when the kid gets on the bus? You do a roll calls. They walk by the driver. They say their first and last name just on their way by, and then you got it on camera. You can hear the audio and say, "Oh, well, that, there's little Jimmy John right there." With sure. the red map. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, it goes back to you know, not everybody was afforded the the time, the additional yeah, ten yeah. minutes, and depending on, like, we didn't go through and really change our routes um, based on how many kids were riding. Were so pretty much all the routes stayed the same. We were given an additional ten minutes. I think that if we had gone and created 
routes for just the students that were needed we might be able to afford ourselves a little bit more time to do that um you know and i but i again i i think that there is that assumption from the the school administration that we do call roll on the bus and when they are finding out that we don't or that we don't necessarily have the time and that you're really relying on a driver to i mean keep it keep in mind here you've got Right now, in the school setting, most of these kids are in cohorts and they're with the same teacher all day. So the teacher's yeah. working with 20 students. Our drivers are potentially hitting anywhere from 60 to 100 kids a day, depending on how many how many routes that they have to run. So, you know, that's a lot of different names. And then you start to muddy. You, you go fast forward 14 days and you go, was that kid on the bus 14 days ago? I can't remember. I think he was, but maybe that was Tuesday. I don't yeah. remember. And it just, you know, everything just kind of muddles together, so. And I, I would go yeah. one step further, just like there's some really districts whose funding is limited and they don't even have cameras. I can tell you, like, yeah. in my career, I have been in places where maybe one of the three installed cameras is even working without sound and other buses have brand new eight camera systems. Sure. So it's quite a range of resources. And, and I'm to, just trying to. I'm just trying to sell more cameras. Yeah, but right? to, to also to, <laughs> also to Stephanie's point, don't be so reliant on it, right? I mean, most of the technology that's out there, as far as cameras go, you have report-based software that comes out of the camera system to tell you which cameras are working and which ones aren't, which ones need attention. Um, so you know, but again, do, does the department have that much? Um, or the, the, that manpower to go in and, and keep up with it. I mean, that's that's the other side. It's great that it's mounted mounted there, but it kind of goes back to our other episode when we were talking to our uh, our REI was that it you know just because the red lights on did it actually have a uh, you know VCR the you know the the tape in there just you know so kind of interesting for kids. Well, and I can tell you that a majority of the school districts up on the Navajo Nation, which, you know, takes up 30% of the state of Arizona, they don't have the technology on their buses. They, some of them are in such a rural and hilly mountainous areas that they, if they get extra money, they are putting, you know, four wheel drive and bigger shocks and bigger tires so that the mm-hmm. school just physically operate and you know they're they a lot of those districts up there don't have access to any of this and one of the things I wanted to say earlier to you guys as a as a kudo to everybody who's interested in getting information out there are a couple states and I'll and I'll lump in our Navajo Nation in this their school is not even starting. And some of our Navajo school districts aren't even starting this year. They're all going to be, or physically start, I guess I should say. There's going to be no in-person school for them. It's all online. So the time for them to be learning all of this is months later after all of you guys have gone through the trials and errors and what works and what doesn't work. So the challenge now is to make sure that folks like that you know, know that something like this podcast or the leadership groups, you know, is out there. They start back, they can go through this library and say, okay, you know, where did they talk about social distancing? Where did they talk about, you know, um, contact tracing? So it's really important that you guys are doing this now for everybody now, 
but think of the districts who haven't even gone back to physical in school yet. Right. So you I know, love that. Yeah. It's a great reminder. Valid points. So, you know, obviously there are some that haven't returned back to school, but those of us that have, uh, have been met with quite a few um, shortages as far as staffing goes. I know that, you know, pretty much right up into the point until we said, hey, here's your work assignment, we were looking pretty good, and then it seemed like we lost uh, 10 or 11 within, like, two-week time span. So, um, Shannon, you want to talk about kind of what we did as far as um, just overcoming that, what we've been doing, and, um, you know, and then we can switch gears to Mr. Sims. Yep. So we did, we, we, we were down, I believe, you know, 12 or 13 when it was pretty close to showtime. And so I did share that we were able to contract um, seven, I believe, drivers from a local um, driving company. Um, but addition, in addition to that, right, the low ridership helps, but you always know in the back of your mind that if they're eligible to ride, you have to be prepared to transport when they're, when they're ready to ride. So um, some we collapsed, gosh, 10, 10, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. Jason, 10, 10. routes um, and kind of shuffled them to other routes because of the lower ridership. We were able to do that. Um, but we know, as as we spoke earlier, like as those flex learners come back in person because they're reassured by what they're seeing, um, you know, there's potential that those routes will have to be added back because it's a really fine balance of making sure that, right, we have maybe we don't just have one student in every seat, but we still don't have full, full buses. But as they return, right, some of our drivers like, well, I now I have 40 and I'm getting a little nervous, right? So we have to make sure that we're offering that safety component for um, for that re- reinstating those routes that are the fullest. Yeah. Tommy, you want to talk about your walk boundaries changes? Yeah. Yeah, when school was getting ready to start, we were down 13 drivers and still are because I can't get any applicants. But um, what what we did was I went to my board and talked to them and we proposed moving our walk boundary from one mile to two mile. Um, it was it was some debate back and forth on as to why and, and safety measures. But in the end, my board approved it. But what we were able to do with talking with parents and encouraging parents to bring their kids uh, to and from school right now was we've been able to accommodate everyone that lives less than two miles, but more than a mile, we've been able to accommodate them on the bus, which has really helped, but it gave us an out where if we did start getting too full, as Shannon said, some of them are looking, Oh, we're in the thirties, forties. It's getting a little nervous. Um, We're able to go back as, as our backup and say, you know, we can no longer accommodate this, but that was the, the first thing that we did. And then I started looking at more routes and I was able to drop about seven gen ed routes after we saw who was writing, and then um, special needs, I was able to eliminate two after commitments from parents that they would not be coming or bringing them on the bus. Sure. Yep. Uh, we And I'll add to Shannon's piece, you know, just really going through and looking. We'd sent a couple parent surveys out uh, before school started, before you transitioned all of our students back out of flex learning um, after the 17th. And we're able to really just identify what our our potential ridership should be um that was obviously so all the routes were kind of based on that and then like i said earlier we've been able to see that we're really only getting about 52 percent ridership of what our 
eligible ridership is now. So yeah. we've got a little bit of room and flexibility to, you know, if I needed to, to collapse a couple more routes, I probably could. Um, but some of the successes that we've seen is that we did do a little um, drive the bus campaign for uh, when was that September three months or three weeks mm-hmm. in September. Three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. We were basically giving anybody uh, an opportunity to come out and, drive a school bus in a closed course and do on-site interviews and, you know, just give people an opportunity like, Hey, you know, um, I don't, you know, you hear it all the time. I I couldn't drive a school bus. It's too big. Um, but you know, getting them out there to see it and, and doing that, we actually, I think we onboarded four, uh, with the potential of a fifth coming on board. So, um, been pretty successful as far as that goes and just really trying to get, um, you know, the word out there that we're hiring, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to, hard to compete with the unemployment rate and, or the mm-hmm. unemployment insurance and benefits that are, are, are out there and available right now. But I think for those people that are looking for work and want to work, um, we're definitely seeing people stop by to, to, to get interested in it. But a lot of our roadblock was the, uh, wait for testing as well. Cause we weren't sure with the, uh, Go online to schedule the day to do your permit test, and it was four or five weeks out. Yeah, and sure. now thankfully that has changed. You know, now you can go on and get it two days later. But uh, that was one of our roadblocks, also. Yep. There for a second, I thought you meant a different wait. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second, Tommy. <laughs> delay, delay. <laughs> delay, delay, delay. Okay, okay. Stephanie, oh. anything uh, that other people are having successes as far as um, you know, I, I've heard several districts that are even shorter than both uh, us and Tommy's district, but uh, anything that anybody's been doing to, to get to at least close to being fully staffed? Did you say Steph? Because yes. I heard you cut Steph. out. Steph. Okay. Um, you guys went through this a little bit earlier in the summer. What a lot of districts are doing are combining borrowing staff members Um one of the benefits to that happening that may not occur in other states is they all belong to the same insurance company. And so they're able to consolidate routes and share drivers. So I've had several districts do that. Um, A lot of them are using, if these folks have bodies, a lot more districts who have never entertained a third-party vendor before um, is now using, you know, private bus companies, you know, and, and saying, please use our buses. We just need staff members. And, and the only thing there is they can't, those companies can't get drivers either. So if you are a district who can get uh, a couple drivers from those private companies, well, feel lucky because they, they're having a hard time keeping sure. staff as well. That was one of our initial concerns when we did, a, when we were able to contract with them was would we really actually get people? So yeah. yeah. And then the last thing that I'm seeing is uh, districts are relying more on white fleet, which is non school bus uh, vehicles. You know, they're, they're asking Paris to drive a van. They're taking, you know, they're doing one-offs. One student can go in this vehicle. One student can go in that vehicle. They're relying more um, in that aspect of how to get those key students 
to school because realistically there are parents who absolutely have to have to be at work and you guys know this so they're you know they're working with what they have and what they have aren't enough bus drivers but they have paraeducators and you know even teachers hey the student is on your way to school and on your way home what does this look like for liability you know what kind of training do we have to offer you you've heard this from me before and I see a lot of districts uh, relying on white fleet driving. Yep. Almost don't, almost don't get an option. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many creative solutions out there. I know that we've seen a lot of information shared on uh, social media. SDN uh, has been big through uh, all of this, through, through COVID-19, and just putting every bit of information that they can see to share and share ideas with everybody. So... Um, kudos to them for really being kind of the forefront media of mm-hmm. um, sharing this information. But, you know, uh, we've covered a, a ton of information here, and I appreciate all four of you for being here. Uh, we'll just go real quick around the table, uh, just some final thoughts on uh, our discussions and going forward. Tommy, you want to lead it off? Yeah, um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, we, like you said, we have those districts that haven't even started in person yet and haven't got their kids those on the buses yet, but it's a double-edged sword. I'm, I'm kind of jealous of those because they haven't had to deal with everything that we've had, but at the same time, I'm glad we've gotten it over with and I'm jealous that they get to see everything that we're doing and what's not working and how to fix it for what they, sure. what will work and what has been a success that will work for them. So, um, I'm a little bit jealous, but at the same time, I'm glad I've gotten it over with and we're in this routine Absolutely. and it's just moving. And we've had to be so creative. We're always creative in this industry, but it's really put us out of our normal creative comfort zone to figure out how to do this safely and um, for our kiddos, because that's what it ends up being about. Yep. Shannon? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think um, it's good. I always say, let's look back and see what we've done well. And I think just working together and staying the course and keeping a pace um, has been positive, both department-wide, statewide, and even, as you mentioned, looking at those um, more national-level resources and seeing what piece of that fits into our organization. Um, And also, like, when you – I just want to go back to a couple of – like, the last episode that you had, I think it was episode 19, just talking – um, not only to experts in the industry, but community members. I think that that was powerful and timely, not just for safety weeks, but for people who maybe needed that little boost of, you know, it can come from anywhere, right? That inspiration to kind of go forward um, with their passions or safety. So it's been good. Appreciate it. Stephanie. I'm going to say wherever you are in the U.S., wherever you are in the state of Arizona, find your tribe. Find your tribe of people who are reliable experts that you trust, that you know, maybe won't have the answer, but they know someone who does. The moment this group formed, and and Jason really is behind a a lot of the information that's being poured out in the state, the moment that you start working with a person or two people, that turns into four people, five people, 12 people who suddenly become a resource. When you know there's something out there, but you can't quite remember where you read that, where you saw that, somebody in your tribe is going to know the answer to what you're asking. So I guess my advice to Whoever is listening, wherever you are in the U.S., find your tribe. That is mm-hmm. going to get you through these hard times, truly. And Jason started our tribe 
and it's the reason he was chosen as one of the top rising stars in student transportation. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It was uh, an honor. I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, Mr. Chad. Stephanie took what I was going to say word for word. I think she hacked into my computer and read what I had typed out here. <laughs> I did. And if you were a Seahawks fan, I would know that you would be a little smarter than sharing it with me. See? I mean, no, I, I, I agree with what all of you said. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, don't hesitate to reach out to somebody, you know, and I know Tommy says he's jealous of the people that, you know, but he's glad he got over with, but on the flip side, those people are probably thankful that, you know, you guys are going forward and they can get some ideas. They can reach out, talk to you, see what's working. So, yeah, I mean, the tribe thing for sure. Again, Stephanie said exactly what I was going to say word for word, uh, reach out and, you know, talk to everybody, you know, find out what's working, what's not working. And, it, you know, right. it, there's a lot of trial and error that's went on. And I said it when all this was before everybody started coming back that I kept hearing from different districts. Everybody had different ideas and different struggles and obstacles to overcome. And then people start putting together plans and I'd hear all these different plans. And, uh, you know, my thought was I get to see who what's going to work and what's not going to work. And if I see something that's working, and I run across a transportation director that's struggling. I can I can share that information. Like, hey, these people are doing this. You know, this these districts are doing this. They're approaching it this way. But it really hasn't. I haven't had to share that information because everyone's so good about reaching out to other people and yeah. communicating. So it's it's that's been great to see that I haven't had to. You know, I haven't seen anybody really failing because they've collected information and, and processes and procedures from other people if they had an obstacle to overcome. So it's, it's been nice to see that uh, everybody communicates. I've only been here a year and a half and so far Arizona has been impressive in that aspect that there's so much communication between school districts. Yep. No, no. Well, and I think, Go ahead, Chance. Sorry. I, I mean, one of the things I say all the time is we're not in competition. We're not in competition. We're in community. And so asking for help and saying, I don't know, is never really like, oh, now they're better or we're better. It's just a community of learners. We're constantly mm -hmm. learning. So that's one of the things I love most about this work. And if you decide to stop learning, you're falling behind immediately. <laughs> there you have it. Well, I appreciate all of you taking uh, time out of your Saturday. And if I woke you from your uh, deep slumber, I do apologize. <laughs> but uh, hopefully you can get back to Thanks taking for having that. Us. Um, appreciate, like I said, it's, this has been, uh, a, such a cool experience, um, this year, you know, I know it's been challenging. I know it's been tough, but, uh, just from the podcast side of it, just being able to talk to so many different people, you know, here we are 20 episodes already. Um, probably going to wrap out the year 24, 25 before we get to the holidays. So, um, you know, we'll just see where the conversation keeps going. I, I'm, I'm so impressed with the people, that are in this industry, that are in this state, the people that I've met, the people that I'm fortunate to work with, um, just in the brilliant minds that are out there to solve these problems and, and keep moving our kids. So, um, you know, for those of you that are listening, I appreciate you stopping by. Don't forget to check out the uh, webpage, uh, heybusdriver.com, Hey Bus Driver Podcast on social media. 
And uh, until next time, you know, get this help get this out. Help get this information out to, to everybody out there. There's so many people that probably haven't heard this yet, and there's so much valuable information in here that I really think that people would find this a benefit. So um, we'll talk to you all next time, and thanks again. Stay safe, and uh, keep a smile on for your kiddos. Take care. Yes. Thank you, guys. Take See care. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off. <laughs>